Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 29 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. I have a very interesting and exciting episode today because I am interviewing two intermittent fasting sisters. I'm talking to Ronnie Jones and Michelle Brown. Ronnie is from Austin, Texas, and Michelle is from Denton, Texas. Ronnie works from home as an accountant, and Michelle is someone after my own heart because she is a gifted and talented teacher for kids in grades K through 5, which is exactly what I did right before I left teaching. So welcome, ladies. Hi. Hello. Y'all have such a great story, and I'm going to start differently than I normally do. I normally have guests start with how they came to intermittent fasting, but I'm going to let Michelle start by telling your story, which is very interesting and inspiring to our listeners. So go ahead, Michelle, get started with that. 
Okay. Hello, everyone. So I was adopted when I was three days old and to wonderful parents and (laughs) could not have asked for a better mom and dad to raise me. As I grew up, my parents told me that my birth mother was 17 and she wanted to keep me and her mother wanted to keep me, but her father would not allow them to keep me. And so it was in my best interest for them to give me up for adoption. And it was a closed adoption. So, you know, I grew up not knowing anything about my birth family except for what I just told you. And so when I was about 33 years old, I had a friend who had just registered on adoption.com and she found her birth father. So I thought, well, maybe I should do that. And if my birth family is looking for me, then our information will sync up. So I did and I did not get any news, nothing synced, so I didn't find anything out. Two years later, on my 35th birthday, I sat down at work to check my email, and I received a email from adoption.com. And my third son was nine months old. So at the time, I was thinking, well, I don't want to adopt a baby. I had forgotten that I had registered to try to find my birth family. And so the lady said, I hope that you have found the information you've been looking for by now, but in case you haven't, there's a lady that had an unnamed baby that matches your information, and here's her name and number. So it took me about 24 hours to get the nerve up to make the first phone call. Once I did, I talked to my birth mother for probably a couple of hours that first day, and we were probably about 45 minutes into the conversation, and I asked her if she ever had any other children, and she said, yes, honey, you have a sister. Well, where does she live? This is great, you know, and and we found out that she lived at the time in Frisco, Texas, and so we were only 23 minutes apart. Wow. Only 23 minutes apart, and had y'all been raised that close to each other as well and just didn't know it? So, no, I was raised in Oklahoma, and my sister was raised in Dallas, Texas. But at the time that you found out about each other, you were 23 minutes apart. Yes, And then there's more to the story. So we continue to talk and I find out that Ronnie's 10 years younger than me. And when I was about 10, I used to talk to my mom about adopting another baby because I wanted a sister so bad. And I had one. I just didn't know it. And then my birth mother says, well, yeah, uh, Ronnie and her husband, Lance. And then I find out that we're both married to men named Lance. She's married to Lance Jones. I'm married to Lance Brown. And at the time, they were both middle school teachers and coaches. They're still both educators and coaches, but they're at different levels now. So anyway. That is really, really cool because I think I've only ever known one person named Lance in my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) It's a neat story. It is a neat story. And I mean, Michelle's just giving you like the tip of the iceberg, but like there are so many things that we've found along the way that we're just like, oh, this is crazy that we have this in common. Share some of those, Ronnie, because you know I'm fascinated by genetics. Have y'all read Feast Without Fear? And it's okay if you have not, but... No, I have not. That's all okay. I have to do with. Yeah, no, well, that's okay. But in that book, I talk about the role of genetics and how we're all unique. And that's one of the reasons why, of course, we all know that. But I've always, my whole life, been fascinated by how our personality is shaped by our genetics and, you know, reading about twin studies. I know y'all are not twins, but, you know, so many of the twin studies show that identical twins separated at birth tend to have so many similar characteristics, like both being married to someone named Lance. (laughs) So tell us some more about that, Ronnie, because I've just always been so fascinated by the topic. One thing that comes to mind is, and this was way early on, you know, when we were getting to know each other and 
well, what do you like to do? But, you know, and we found out they both were liking to run at that time. I don't run anymore, but (laughs) at the time I was a runner. And so we talked about how when we got started running and what our, you know, progression had been with that. And we found out that we had both ran our first 5K race, like in the same year for sure. And probably in the same month. Wow. You know, years before. Just little things like that. I mean, can you think of any others, Michelle? Well, we have a list somewhere. I just have, I don't know where the list is. And because uh, I remember, you know, right, oh, that's nothing we can add to our list. And obviously, weight loss is huge. And so we did do Weight Watchers and we both made Lifetime back in the day because we're going on, I've known Ronnie now for 12 years. You've had a relationship, a sister relationship with her for 12 years. You know, I have a sister as well. She's younger than me. So y'all have managed to avoid all those, you know, sister fights that from the early yeah. years <laughs> and gone straight to the adult relationship. You missed all that baggage. And so you have like the best part of having a sister, right? That's right. That's a great point. You never had to fight and you know, <laughs> That's true. steal each other's clothes. <laughs> yeah. So you both, I guess, were struggling with your weight. Well, yes, I had just had my third child and had struggled, you know, with obviously losing the baby weight three times now. And had lost some and then, you know, get pregnant again and then you lose some. And anyway, so I did finally make Lifetime. That was more, that was Lifetime with Weight Watchers, I guess that was it. Um, Let's see, that would have been the fall of 2007. And then in 2008, I lost my mother, not my birth mother, my mother who adopted me and raised me. So it was very devastating. Went through some hard times with my older two boys and, you know, the weight just crept back on. You know, life got in the way and I let, I was worried about taking care of everyone else instead of taking care of me. I think that's a very common story that we find. You know, we, before intermittent fasting, it took all of my effort focused on weight to keep it down. And whenever I would drift away from the thoughts of keeping my weight down, the weight would pile back on. Is that kind of what happened? Yes, absolutely. So in the meantime, Ronnie, <laughs> what was happening with you and your weight? I've always been the kind of person, just like you just said, that I had to focus almost all of my energy to just stay inside that normal weight range. But I was able to do it for most of my teenage years. And then, of course, in college, I went up and down and up and down. I guess, you know, I've just been doing this yo-yo for so long. And then did Weight Watchers, got to a healthy weight, maintained that for a little bit. And then I started having kids. (laughs) And I gained like 70 pounds with both of my kids. And the first, you know, had the first one gained 70 pounds. I almost got it all off and then got pregnant with the second one. And after my second child, I just could not maintain my weight. It was just going up and up and up. No matter what I did, I tried every diet under the sun, including what I kept going back to Weight Watchers over and over again. Right. Because it had worked for you before. So you're like, you know, it's got to work again, right? Exactly. Exactly. When I listened to your diet history, Jen, on the audiobook, I was just like, yep. There yep, you go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I had been to personal trainers. I saw two different nutritionists. I was trying everything. And every time I could lose maybe five, 10 pounds, but then, you know, within three or four months, all of that five, 10 to 10 pounds was back plus some. And over time, it got harder and harder to stick to those restrictive protocols, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
And I remember, I mean, I was just like crying one night, just talking to my husband saying, I can't even like, I'm trying so hard. I'm counting every calorie and every step and just like putting all of my energy into trying to maintain my weight and I'm gaining. I can't imagine the rest of my lifetime doing this and not getting anywhere. I just, I was so defeated and frustrated. Yeah, that sounds very familiar to me. And in fact, that's the period of time when I just gave up. There was a period prior to 2014 when I was just like, forget it. We did, actually. That I'm bigger and <sighs> that leads us to just, you know, so much frustration. Yeah. So how did y'all find intermittent fasting? Did you find it at the same time? Tell me about that, Ronnie. Our grandmother, our biological grandmother, she actually passed away. This was December of 2017. It's right around Christmas time. And both of our families had already recently been to see her, you know, so when it came time to do the funeral, it's a very long drive for us. So Michelle and I decided, let's just the two of us go, let the family stay. It was, like I said, Christmas time is just crazy. So I said, okay. So I live pretty far south. So I had about a four hour drive to get to Michelle. And then once I got to Michelle, we had another, well, you know, like five or six hours together. So, you know, I've packed up all my stuff and I'm thinking, oh, this is just going to be a dreadful four hours in the car all by myself. And what am I going to do? So I pull up Audible. I'm just like, I need to find the fastest book I can find because I was literally on my way out the door. And so once again, I'm always you know, headed for the diet books. So (laughs) I went to the health category and obesity code was the number one book. And that's literally all I knew. I did not read the reviews. I didn't see, you know, the open cover. I didn't know what it was about. I just saw obesity code, number one book. Okay, download. Yeah. Oh, that's how I used to find diet books too. I'm like, yeah, a lot of people bought it. It must be (laughs) awesome. I'm going to read it. Yeah. Or listen to it in this case. Yeah. Yeah. So my plan was just to listen to it until I got to Michelle, because I figured once I got to Michelle and we got in the car together, we would just, you know, be chatty Kathy and we'd talk the whole way. So I just wanted something just to pass my own time. So I listened to it for that first part of the drive. And I mean, I was blown away by what I was hearing. I felt like someone, meaning Dr. Fung, was writing down my entire life experience. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and that's putting, how I felt and, too. Yes. And putting science to it and like making sense about why it's happening. And I mean, I was just like, I don't even know really how to explain how just enamored I was with what I was hearing. And so by the time I got to Michelle, I was like, um, I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm listening to this book and I think we got to finish it. And and she's like, yeah, let's do it. Did you start over or did you just keep where you were at the time? We just kept where we were. I kind of, I did the best I could to recap what I had heard so far. And I think what I had heard so far was just about why traditional dieting doesn't work. And, you know, it's not just the fact that we can't stick to a calories in, calorie out diet, it's, it has to do with our hormones. There's more at play than just eat less, move more. Or that, well, you just failed again. Sorry. You're just weak. Isn't that how how we felt? Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah. If we couldn't keep the weight off, it was because we were weak and because we just didn't have the determination. And then the obesity code also connected a lot of dots for me. And like, wait, it wasn't my fault. Yeah, exactly. 
So we got in the car and we listened to it the whole rest of the drive there (laughs) and then the whole drive back. And the funny thing about the obesity code, especially when you don't have like the chapter list in front of you and you're just blindly listening. So the whole book talks about the problem. And Michelle and I are both like yelling at the radio, like, yes, you know, like, (laughs) yes, that's our problem. But the solution, what he talks about for your solution is not to the like last two chapters. (laughs) So we're listening going, where's the solution? Is he going to tell us how to fix this? Because don't tell me there's no hope, you know? And yeah, wouldn't that have been a, a downer? And now that you've gotten this far, sorry, yeah. that's the end. You're you're doomed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I actually dropped off Michelle and, you know, her part of the trip was done and I was heading home and it was on that last leg of the trip that I heard about the fasting. And so got home and I called Michelle. And I was like, well, he says we have to start fasting. <laughs> <laughs> And we were both like, oh, Oh, well. That's not what I was hoping for. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, the science behind it and just the way the information was laid out and what happens to your body during the fast and why it's important just made so much sense that any fear that I had, and probably Michelle would say the same thing about, you know, fasting seems so scary, but it was worth it because I understood finally what was happening in my body and how I needed to break that insulin resistance and give it time to rest. Yeah. And get the insulin down. And yeah. So what did you do after listening to that and the light bulb moments throughout? What were your action steps? What did you do first at that point? So Michelle said, well, how do we do this? And I said, I don't know, because in the audio, it kept on saying, see Appendix A. (laughs) And I I don't have Appendix A. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Michelle actually snuck into Barnes and Noble and snapped a picture of. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious! Say, <laughs> um, I have since bought the obesity code. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so Appendix A talked about the alternate day fasting. He had a twenty-four hour protocol and then a thirty-six. And so we said, well, let's start with the twenty-four, and that's how we started. We decided Monday, Wednesday, Friday was good enough for us. <laughs> We didn't want to do that weekend. <laughs> so Monday, Wednesday, that. Friday, yeah. yeah, 24 hours at a time is how we started. And we started on January 1st, New Year's Day. That's a great day to get started. So you both, were y'all both doing the exact same patterns? You could support each other? Yes. Yes. Like you were all, you were going to do it exactly the same on the same day. And then mm-hmm. that's wonderful. Yeah, we started that way. Since then, we've kind of played around with different things, but that is how we started. And for the first, what would you say, Michelle, like four or five months? We did it together for the exact same. Uh-huh. I would say so. I think for the first six months, I did ADF, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I was able to get about 15 pounds off. Well, during that time, I found your podcast with Melanie, Jen, and so I would listen to the podcast while I would work out in the morning. And then I'm like, oh, Jen's got a book, Delay, Don't Deny. So I got that one on audio, and I listened to that, and then I told Ronnie about that. And so then you introduced me to One Mill a Day. So for the second six months, I did mostly One Mill a Day most days. It would take some weekends off, and I was able to get another probably 10 pounds off. And then I have just recently, well, in January, Ronnie and I did an extended day fast, And I lost a little bit more, about six more pounds there. February, I didn't lose any. 
So in March, I decided I'm going to stick with one meal a day because that's working for me. And I'm going to try to count my calories until I get the rest of my weight off. That will not be a lifestyle that I will keep up forever counting calories because I don't like doing it. But I feel like I needed to be a little bit more restrictive so I can hit my goal weight. I do understand the idea of wanting to get to that goal weight. So I would just caution you, just my little gin advice. <laughs> you know, I've got some. Try not to keep it exactly the same. Have some days where you eat more, maybe some days that you eat less. If you think about it more of like a calorie cycling kind of a thing, which is really what the original research on ADF was technically probably more of a calorie cycling program because they had, you know, the 500 calorie days followed by the free eating days. And so the up and down pattern really makes a difference. So the gin suggestion is, of course, you know how I feel about calories. I'm just going to leave that there. But if you're, <laughs> you can certainly do that if it helps you to, you know, really be honest with what you're eating. But I would suggest doing kind of an up and down day pattern with that. Okay. I will. Just to keep your body from adjusting, because I do think that, you know, our body likes to find a place and rest there. And, you know, if where you are right now is not where you want your body to be, then you are going to need to shake it up. But if you adjust your calories to a low point and keep them there every single day, your body may adjust to that. So do that up and down so your metabolism keeps humming. Yeah, I'm real good about doing up days on the weekend. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Good. That's real That's easy good. for me. <laughs> yeah, and it feels better when we call them an up day than, you know, the cheat day. They're not cheat days. They're up days, and you're doing it on purpose. Yes. It's a choice. I like that. <laughs> well, to date, I have lost 30 pounds, and I have about 15 more to go to get to my first goal weight, and that may be my goal weight. I'm just going to wait and see how I feel. Once I'm there, that will be pre-weight with my first son, and he's 25 now, so I will be very elated to get to that point. Oh, I know that that'll feel fabulous. And when you get there, you're not planning to quit intermittent fasting at that point, are you? No, no. no. Just the calorie <laughs> yeah, well, good. Definitely quit that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will. This will be this will be a lifestyle for sure. Yeah, that's what we hear. The longer people do it, the less likely they are to ever quit because it just feels so good. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. 
If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So how about you, Ronnie? How's your journey gone? So yeah, I started off with alternate day fasting, like Michelle said, and I really like went into it with like, whenever I'm not fasting, I'm going to eat whatever I want. And that included, you know, cookies and cake. And my daughter sells Girl Scout cookies. So like right at the time that we were doing this, I had like 300 boxes of Girl Scout cookies in my (laughs) my kitchen. So I took that to heart. Now, Right at the beginning, I lost like 10 pounds very quickly, but then I kind of stalled out, still alternate day fasting, loving, you know, the way I was feeling on it, but got really frustrated because, you know, I had lost those 10 pounds like 15 times before. So those weren't the 10 pounds I wanted to lose. You know, I just sort of had a heart to heart with God and said, okay, what's the deal here? Like, I feel like this is the answer, this intermittent fasting, but I'm not losing and And I just got this feeling like, okay, it's time to try this keto diet that everyone is talking about. And, you know, I remembered in the obesity code, it really has two suggestions. I mean, the main one is intermittent fasting, but it also talks about limiting carbs and sugar and processed foods and artificial sweeteners and all that. And I just, I guess, chose to ignore that part. At first, <laughs> I get it. At first, I was just kind of like, eh, I think because I had already done that, I had already tried low carb, I'd done Atkins and South Beach diet and, you know, all these things. And I sort of just put that in the back of my mind. But then, you know, as I got more comfortable with fasting, and I felt, you know, what it's like to have your insulin lower, then I was like, okay, I'm ready to take that next step and keep my insulin low, you know, all the time and not going crazy as soon as my window opens. So I decided to jump in with keto diet. And that was on month four. So I started keto in month four of fasting. And by month 10, which was October, I had pretty much hit the weight that I've been since then, which is like 60 pounds lost. 60. Wow, that is amazing. Just a little bit about the science of that. For people who may not have read the obesity code or even may not have read Delayed on Deny, you know, you talked about, Ronnie, about keeping insulin low. And Dr. Fung explains throughout the obesity code that that is our goal. And the best way to get insulin low is fasting. Of course, while we're in the fasted state, our insulin goes down as much as it can, as long as we're fasting clean and not spiking insulin with you know, the artificial sweeteners or all those things that he says for us to avoid. But when we eat, obviously our body releases insulin to deal with the food, but certain foods cause our body to release more insulin. And so if you're resistant, if you're insulin resistant, if you have, you know, a long history of being overweight, 
you may need your body to keep insulin lower even during the period of time where you're eating. And that's where the shift to keto for you, you know, keeping the carbs low, that's where it can really help your body keep that insulin down. Right. Yeah. So when you switched to keto, how did you just, you felt great the whole time too? I felt wonderful. I think the magic for keto for me, as opposed to the other times I had tried to do low carb was having a lot of high fat and that fat is very satisfying and keeps you full for a very long time and keeps those cravings away. And just staying away from the sugar and the artificial sweetener, I feel like once I was detoxed from it, like I didn't have any cravings for it anymore, which was unbelievable. I mean, I couldn't believe that we go out to Mexican food every Sunday as a family. And I couldn't believe that I could sit there in a Mexican restaurant and with my the chips right in front of me and not even want one. I was just like, this wow. is, who is this person? Because definitely not me, but it is. And to this day, I don't eat the tortilla chips at the... Mexican restaurant. So do you feel like keto is a forever lifestyle for you? I do. Now I have become more flexible. I was very strict with it, you know, until I hit that 60 pounds, but I don't stay in ketosis 24 seven. Now I do have pizza with my family whenever we're, you know, having a family fun Friday night or, you know, whatever it is, I allow myself the occasional indulgence, but I trust my body now. And I trust my emotions to not like let that one night of pizza, like go off the deep end. And I love that. I don't know. I've just learned how to, you know, the other day I was having lunch with someone. We went out to lunch and they said, you know what? I have had a hard day. I'm going to order blah, blah, blah. You know? And it was like the biggest, greasiest, like, I think it was like chimichanga or something. And I didn't say it out loud, but in my mind, I thought, you know, I've had a hard day too, but that's the last thing I'm thinking about right now. I can't even think about eating something that's going to make me feel bad. I mean, I just don't want to do that. So, but that was not my experience before. I would have totally stressed eating that entire chimichanga. (laughs) So it's just fascinating how we hear this all the time. And you have really keyed into the way you feel. And so it's not worth feeling bad. You don't want your body to feel bad. So you don't make that choice and you don't feel any sadness. Like you were not sad that you weren't going to do that, were you? No, not at all. Mm-mm. You would have been sad if you had chosen it, actually. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm depriving myself. It's right. because I don't even want it to begin with. That's really how you know that you've found something that is forever. Yeah. When you don't feel upset that you're having to do it. You just are like, wow, I feel great. This is why I do it. Yeah, exactly. So Michelle, have you ever thought about playing around with keto yourself or is that off the table for you? I do some low carb. I do better on low carb, but I wouldn't say that I'm keto. Today, I had my one meal already. We went out to lunch in between baseball games and I had a fantastic salad, completely satisfied and I won't eat again until tomorrow around noon. So yeah, so I do feel better when I eat lower carbs. However, I do love the carbs. Me too. I do love the sweets, (laughs) you know, all the treats. The hard part for me is telling myself it's a mental game, you know, that I think recently, Jen, you posted something, I think it was maybe in the Digging Deeper, about how 
you know, every day is not a special occasion. And so I need to get away from, well, I deserve this. I've worked hard today. Or, oh, there's a food truck at school today. Well, it's not every day we have a food truck, but it is about once a week. <laughs> so right. I don't need to do that <laughs> once a week. In fact, I did pass up a food truck last week. So it just, it just didn't sound good, you know? So I do try some low carb, but I wouldn't not say that I am actually keto. Well, I think it's interesting that you both feel like your body does great with low carb. I did not feel like my body did great with low carb. And I did talk about this in my writing, but I didn't feel great. I never got the energy. I never felt better when I was doing low carb. But in Feast Without Fear, I do talk about the genetic research that shows that people do tend to lean one way or the other. Like your body may be one that really does do better with low carb, or you may, you know, be the opposite of that. So I would bet, you know, y'all both have that same characteristic. I think so too. Interesting. Yeah. And of course, not everything that we experience is because of our genetics, of course, but there does seem to be some sort of link in there with what may work best for your body. My birth mother is type 2 diabetic, so I'm sure that there are some genetics in there. Oh, yeah. So the good news is both of you have probably stopped that in its tracks. Were either of you diagnosed as pre-diabetic or diabetic or anything like that? I was close to being gestational diabetic with my first son, but no. And that's actually, I think, a sign that you are likely to develop the problem later. Yes. How about you, Ronnie? Did you have any kind of... I had not had any sort of diagnosis, but I wouldn't be surprised if I was, you know, on my way there or pre-diabetic already. I felt horrible. I mean, (laughs) I was going to my doctor every month going, something's wrong. Like... (laughs) It's more than just me not being able to lose weight. Like there's something hormonally. I knew it was a hormonal problem, but I couldn't get a doctor to listen to me. That's super frustrating, isn't it? It is so frustrating. But I mean, I had high blood pressure. I was put on blood pressure medication at 35 years old. So I, you know, I had high blood pressure. I had all of these. I had achy joints, like almost arthritis. And here I am, a young, active woman with feeling like I'm on the verge of arthritis. I had plantar fasciitis. I had just a number of things. And as soon as I started fasting, I mean, they just started like healing just one thing after another. And I was just like, wow. I mean, Michelle and I were kind of going through our text messages from a year and a half ago when we first started just in preparation for this. And, and I wrote, I can see weight loss in my ankles. (laughs) (laughs) which is the funniest thing ever. But I mean, my ankles used to just be swollen all the time. And now I have skinny ankles all the time. (laughs) Funny story about that. You know, recently I went on the delay, don't deny cruise and I ate, drank and was married on that cruise without a doubt. And on the last day, and I think also some of it might be because the water on the ship, they desalinate it, but we still may have effects from that water. But by the end of the very last day, when I got off the ship, I could not see the veins on the top of my feet. Oh, wow. My feet were so puffy. It looked crazy. It took a couple days for that to get back to normal, but I know exactly what you mean. So how about you, Michelle? Have you had any fabulous health benefits? I know Ronnie said her high blood pressure corrected, achy joints, plantar fasciitis. What about you? Yes, actually I have. I did not have the doctor diagnosis, but I feel like that I probably had somewhat of fibromyalgia. Again, my birth mother has that, struggles with that. I mentioned, you know, I went through a hard time with my 
losing my mother and losing, I had some issues with my two older sons. So I was in a lot of stress, a lot of emotional stress and fibromyalgia can be caused by emotional and physical trauma. And so I had some pains in my back and down my shoulders and I was on supplements. And then once I started fasting, those pains started going away and I hardly ever have any problems at all now. I don't take any allergy medicine at all. And my eyes used to like just, you know, drip during this season, especially the season that we're in right now. So I'm not on any medication at all, hardly have any pain and uh, feel fantastic. So that's great. Yeah. I also had that same allergy medicine. I haven't taken allergy medicine since I guess maybe some point in 2016. I can't really remember. I remember that first season when I was like, wait, I didn't need any. <laughs> Where I used to be an everyday person. Yes, everyone I everyone around me is taking it, but I'm not. <laughs> exactly. For years, I thought it was normal to just wake up, have your coffee and take Tylenol because I had a, I had a headache every single day. I mean, it was just part of my routine. And one day I just realized, oh my gosh, I haven't had Tylenol in like six months. Like I just haven't had a headache. I can't eat. <laughs> just dawned on me. That's great. Yeah. I wonder if it was related to like your blood sugar, you know, spiking and crashing. I have and, no idea. Sort of I don't, I don't even know. So Michelle, it sounds to me like you have a middle of the day eating window most days. Is that true or no, actually, I wait till the evening to eat with my family. I was wondering about that because I was like, I can't imagine as a teacher having the middle of the day. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Weekends, you know, my window's a little bit longer. Yeah. But like I said today, I mean, we were just out to eat with the baseball team. And so it was just convenient. We went to Boomer Jack. So I had a fantastic avocado grilled chicken salad. It was so good. But no, starting tomorrow, I will go probably until about two or three o'clock. And I might break my fast with a protein shake or maybe some almonds. And then I'm able to wait until I get home and have a meal with my family. And how about you, Ronnie? What does your day look like? I still like the alternate day fasting. And when I say alternate day, I'm still on the Monday, Wednesday, Friday. <laughs> you know, I started with the 24 hours, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then around October, when I hit the 60 pound mark, I started playing with different things. So I've tried the 16-8. I've tried one meal a day. I've done some extending fasting, but I've just sort of figured out, I just really like the Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It just, because by the time I'm done eating on Tuesday, I'm really looking forward to fasting again. <laughs> so I right. Just, so do you do a full fast on Monday and go to bed still in the fasted state? I'm going to start that. I want to lose like 10 more pounds. I don't even know if my body will lose 10 more pounds. I'm pretty much where I think I'm supposed to be. 21% body fat, which I can't even believe that puts me in the very fit category and wow. I don't exercise. <laughs> so to be in the very fit category is like, wow, but I'd like to see where my body can go. So I'm going to start the 36 hours on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay. So in the meantime, you've been doing on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you've been going for 24 hours and then having just a normal meal. Yes, exactly. So that's one of the things I really love about this program is I never had to miss a meal with my family. So I would finish dinner on Sunday night with them, you know, not eat anything after dinner and then fast all the way till Monday at dinner. And being that I work from home, I mean, I was just by myself on all my fasting time. So I never had to explain to anybody like why I wasn't eating or it just really fit into 
my lifestyle. And I think it fits into a lot of people's lifestyle, just so easy. Oh, definitely. And so then on the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, do you eat three meals a day on those days or what? It varies. I rarely eat breakfast. I'm just not hungry. You know, I think that you find that once you start fasting, you start really becoming in tune with your hunger signals. And so, yeah, I rarely eat breakfast unless, I mean, it's a special occasion. And so I guess it's more like two meals a day and maybe a snack. Yeah, that makes sense. I often think that my body tends to do kind of an up day, down day pattern just you know, now that I'm in maintenance, like I will notice one day I'm yeah. hungry a little earlier and I'll eat a little more that day. Then the next day I'm I have noticed that as well. Perfectly fine. And it'll be five o'clock and I haven't had anything yet. So I think my body naturally gravitates to that sort of pattern without me trying. Uh-huh. Yes, it is. It's so true. Yeah. See? Up and down. <laughs> yeah. And we really do become so much better at listening to our bodies. It's amazing how it opens your eyes to things that you didn't even realize before. One example is, so when we first started, we would have, you know, the black coffee on our fasting days, or maybe black coffee with just a little bit of heavy cream, but no flavor. But then on my eating days in the beginning, I was like, put me the French vanilla creamer in there, you know? And so after a while I thought, okay, this is so weird because on my fasting days, the coffee does not make me jittery, but on my non-fasting days, my coffee makes me jittery. And I always thought it was the caffeine. Oh, that's so interesting. Like all my life, I thought that I was sensitive to the caffeine. Turns out (laughs) it was the sugar. (laughs) Wow. Okay. You know what? That's making me think back too. I wonder how many people think they're sensitive to caffeine when really it is all the junk they're putting in their coffee. Yeah. I mean, I was just like, wow, I can't... (laughs) All this time, 30 some years, I thought it was the caffeine and it's fascinating. Not the sugar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, do you still like creamer on your eating days or just you completely over that? I do not have any flavored creamer anymore. Um, I do like just some heavy whipping cream, but I don't put any. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine that there would be a creamer you would want to have with keto, actually. No. <laughs> I think about it. No. <laughs> so, you just have the heavy cream on your eating days. Yeah. And only sometimes, I mean, I kind of have been going back and forth. I go through phases of liking the black coffee and then just wanting a little cream in there. I don't know if it's like with the season or what it is, but. That would not surprise me because I think that a lot of our cravings have to do with the seasons. Yeah, yeah. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this, all of My Mochi's fabulous flavors like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings or the midnight munchies. Yeah. 
You know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. So I'm curious, you mentioned before, Ronnie, since you work from home, you never had to really talk about this with anybody and explain what you were doing. Do either of you share with people in your real life now? One of the things that the obesity code talks about is, you know, be careful with sharing what you're doing because you'll get a lot of criticism. People won't understand what you're doing. And so I took that to heart. I mean, it was like Michelle knew, my husband knew, and that was it for a very long time. But once you start losing a lot of weight, people start asking what you're doing. So I reluctantly started, you know, sharing a little bits and pieces here and there with people. And then I had some ladies who had, you know, sort of privately reached out to me via Facebook and kind of mentoring them through getting started. And, you know, they were really encouraging me to share my story. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know about that. It just scared me. I did not want to put it out there, especially on Facebook. I just, I don't know. I think I had this fear that I would put my story out there and claim that, you know, I love intermittent fasting and I love keto. And then I would like wake up 60 pounds heavier, like just gain it all all back, you know, but you know, as we went on and I finally realized like, you know, I'm not going to gain it back. This is my lifestyle. I feel good here. I've maintained for quite a long time. And so I guess it is time. So I did, I wrote my story and I put it on Facebook and I'm telling you, I had like thousands of responses. Wow. I believe you. Yeah. Yeah. Because people are just desperate to find a long-term solution. Yeah. So now I'm outed. Yay. (laughs) So everybody around me knows that I'm an internet ambassador and, you know, I'm the go-to person for questions about that and keto. And (laughs) (laughs) I really do think we're just on the, people wonder, has intermittent fasting peaked or we, no, I think we're just still at the little baby cresting phase of it. I think it's just going to keep building and building and building. Yeah. I do too, because it works and it's real. It's not one of the things, it works for a little bit and then it stops working and you gain it all back. Right. And it's the only thing I ever did that I didn't want to stop. Yeah. Like if I found out I had some health condition of some sort and the doctor said, well, you're going to have to eat all throughout the day or you're going to die. I would be like, that would be a tough choice. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds crazy to say out loud, but I would be like, oh, let me think. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I could if it would keep me alive, but. And I want to kind of like throw this out there for all the listeners, because I think it can be a little bit of a misconception. Cause I think when you hear intermittent fasters talk, you see like how much they love it. And we do, we love it, but I'm telling you, it took me like three or four months to love it. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so like, if you don't love it after your first week, there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> Oh yeah. It It took me maybe two years before I loved it like that. And really it coincidentally, I think that I started loving it when I finally realized what a clean fast was. Oh yeah. (laughs) Michelle. Jen, that's me too. That is me 100% because I drink black coffee now. If you would have told me even three months ago, I mean, I was still kind of you know, having a little bit of cream or a little bit of sugar in my coffee. And sometimes I would wait until my window opened to have it. I just wouldn't have any coffee until then. But now I drink black coffee, black coffee, plain green tea, plain black tea water. And it made a difference, didn't it? Yes. Even in my workout, like because I was struggling with my workout and how I felt afterward. Well, 
And that's when I reached out to you and I'm like, what's going on? And you go, are you clean fasting? Trust me. I remember that actually, now that you mentioned it, I forgot that that was you, but it really matters because I mean, you understand this from the obesity code, but if you're not fasting clean, just those little things, keep your body from digging down really into your fat stores because you have the insulin circulating around. So it seems like, well, cream, that should be okay. It really is enough to make a difference. I mean, if it wasn't, I'd be drinking it right now, probably, but I just feel so different. You know, with that black coffee, once I got rid of that stevia, I used to use stevia and cinnamon in my coffee, and it was just delicious. And as soon as I stopped, everything just clicked into place. So I know that Ronnie is out. She shares. How about you, Michelle? Do you share? Yes, actually, I have. There's a few teachers at school that have started. One of my very dear friends just started. We just started last week. And Ronnie and I check in. We do a weigh-in check-in every Thursday. And so my friend wanted to start doing that as well. And so there's a group of us that are starting it. So they're starting to dabble in it. But the good thing about this group is, is that the one particular friend is starting with a clean fast. So she's like way ahead of the ball game. (laughs) It's true. I wonder how it would have been different for me if I'd have started with that from day one. Absolutely. But, you know, of course we can't go back and relive time. Right. (laughs) But I love that the teachers are catching on to it because honestly, it made teaching so much easier. Oh, and paperwork. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Yes. Absolutely. What do you do during the school lunchtime? Like, do you have, I know here in Georgia, we have what's called, well, I don't anymore because all my lunches are duty-free lunches now and I don't eat lunch. (laughs) But (laughs) in Georgia, we had something called duty-free lunch where teachers are guaranteed 30 minutes away from the kids. Do y'all have that? Well, okay. So this is my first year to be gifted and talented. So all the years prior, I always was on a grade level. And so last year, it was very difficult because I would go into the lounge. Everyone else would be eating. I wanted to eat, but I didn't, you know, and it was very difficult. And uh, some people would say, well, why are you eating? You know, that was in the very beginning. I actually began to enjoy that time just as social time. Whenever my lunch coincided with the grade level that I wanted to eat with or sit with was really what it would be. I would go sit with them and enjoy time with them. But then when my lunch schedule did not, I would just go in my classroom and work. So now being, I'm kind of a loner, I'm kind of on my own. I set my, you know, my schedule some days, I don't even really get a lunch because I'm either, you know, pulling kids to test or I'm scoring paperwork or whatever it may be. So I just work through other times when I am able to go in and chat with some teachers, I do go in and just visit with them. And I have found that I'm more intent with my listening because I'm not consuming my time with eating, I'm listening to what they're having to say. Ooh, that's a good plus right there. Yeah, so I do enjoy the ability to focus and be intentional with who I'm visiting with. So that's good. That's really good. And have you gotten to the point now where you no longer feel, I don't know if the word is resentful. I would feel resentful at some points along the way when other people were eating and I, you know, couldn't, but then I got over that. And I know like today I made grits with cheese and bacon for my family and served it to them. And wasn't even like, man, I wish I could eat this. I was like, here y'all go. (laughs) Exactly. Same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing here. Just like passing up the food truck last week. And I did. I passed it up. I couldn't believe it. And then this morning, I'm breakfast for my guys. And it was fine. I didn't eat. Yeah. And people don't understand that. You know, we'll hear that from beginners. How do you feed children during the day? You know, maybe a stay-at-home mom might ask that. You know, how am I going to feed my toddler and not be able to eat? How am I going to survive that? Well, you get to the point where you're just working with the food 
it doesn't make me hungrier. You know, I'm just working with it. And I did warn them that I had not tasted the grits, so they might be too salty or not salty enough. I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't my problem. (laughs) That's right. Luckily, they were not overly salted because you can't fix that. Yeah. So we're really getting towards the end here. And since there are two of you, I better go ahead and ask this last question. So I'm going to start with Michelle. Since Ronnie started us off, I'll let Ronnie end us off too. So (laughs) Michelle, what would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting, something you wish you had known at the beginning? My advice would be definitely clean fast for sure. Don't try to cheat with that. It's not going to be as effective and you will feel better. But also just to look at it as this is a lifestyle now and you know, I'm not at my goal weight and I've been on it for 15 months now, but I feel great and I'm excited about the journey. And so just be patient with it. It's not going to all come off at once. Like I said, my oldest is 25. So it's taken me 25 years to get to this point. So be patient. And you know, when you're confused or frustrated, reach out, send Jen a message, send us a message through Facebook Messenger. We're more than happy to help. Ask in the group. And yes. oh, and by the way, I just realized as soon as I said that, that I got y'all backwards as to who started. So, oops. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I got it backwards. It's the way I had your names written down, and then but you started in a different way. So anyway, so yeah, that's really good advice. But yes, there is support out there. And so you just have to ask. And here's a little side note, a little advice. Don't just go and say, I haven't lost any weight. What do I do? Because that is not enough information. Yeah. <laughs> People do that all the time. They're like, I just right. haven't lost any weight. Now what? And we're like, well, did you just start yesterday? Have you been doing it for a year? We, <laughs> what are you trying? You know, we need to know as much as possible, you know, to help people troubleshoot. The more details, the better. All right. So, Ronnie, how about you? What would be your very best advice? I think, you know, as I've tried to sit down with some ladies in my real life, I've learned that. For me, I think the biggest key was starting off really understanding the science behind intermittent fasting and do whatever you have to do. Read, delay, don't delay, or your obesity code or watch Jason Fung on YouTube or, you know, something that explains the science to where you can understand it. Because I think that that was key for me in sticking with it because it was really hard to start. I look back and think, wow, that was you know, like now it feels so like seamless, but man, it was hard. And if I didn't understand that, and if I didn't know what was happening, I would have given up or made an excuse or thought, well, this is just not for me or whatever. And I think so many people just want you to tell them what to do. Like, just tell me, when do I fast? What do I eat? Like they want you to like lay it out for them. And we can, we can lay it out for you. But if you don't understand for yourself, then it's going to be really hard to stick to. That is such an excellent point because it's true. When you understand why you're making these choices, why you're keeping your insulin low so you can access your fat stores, why you're fasting for the 24, whatever that it is that you're doing, you're happy to do it. Right. Yep. Because you know what it's doing in your body. Yeah. Because if you don't understand it, then you feel like you're just deprived. (laughs) And you think it's just about eating fewer calories. Right. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. It's not. There's so much more to it than that. You know, maybe you are eating fewer calories. You know, that might be the case, but it happens naturally because of the fact that you're accessing your stored fat during the fast and you just aren't as hungry. You know, it's not that, you know, counting out the calories, you know, like it was before. Yep. Well, ladies, it has been delightful to talk to both of you today. 
And thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you, Jen, for having us on. Yeah, it's been fun. It's great. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.